Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, Renee, once again. Yes. It's always a pleasure to be here um, at the ring room. Yeah, it's been quiet the past few weeks, man. It's, uh, sometimes the, the ring room is hopping, but... Uh, well, you know what it is. Um, what's it's um, Summertime. Summertime's coming and the heat... The heat has already came. But listen, I, before I talk about the heat, okay. I just wanted to let you know that um, I talked to the hospital and you're going back. Oh. Okay? <laughs> okay. You're well, going back. All right. I didn't think it was, they were going to break it to me like yeah, this. I know. But, uh, uh, they, they said, well, you know them. So um, <laughs> it's time. It's time. You, you had a good run. I feel like I've been doing good, though, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, have yeah. they been listening to the podcast? I, I, maybe that's the problem. Okay, I, I well, have no idea. I thought I was safe. I, I, man. I, they said that you, it's time for you to return. And they have, I don't know. They man. have uh, your special bed. Okay. With your special pajamas. <laughs> do you like those uh, pajamas? <laughs> you do like them, yeah. I know you do. You know. but, uh, You're wearing them right now. In well, fact, underneath, no. underneath. Yeah, underneath. Know, just, but just, anyway, it's time security. for you to go back. So, okay, uh, well. Nation, uh, you might not hear from Renee for a while. Okay. <laughs> but that's just, yeah. uh, I just yeah, well, I got the message. Okay, you know? all right. Well, I, well, I appreciate you passing that on. Yeah. We're going to have to see. I'm, I may have to uh, appeal that decision. Um, Right. See where that goes. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, we're here in New Orleans, famous ring room, and the heat is back. Have you, yes. Did you notice the heat? Like, yeah, Just yeah. like in the last 48 hours. The heat and, and also the sunshine is very intense. I, I don't yeah. mind the heat as much as I do the, the sunshine on my skin. That's what I really can't do. Right. Take. Yeah. I, I, I just can't. I, you know, I don't like any of it. Yeah. I, you know, it's just really hard for me to deal with. And, you know, I'm a homeowner and I have to keep up the property sure so, you know so I, I find myself mowing the backyard at like five in the morning okay you know, i go out there at five in the morning yeah, it's cooler it's but, very cool but not much i can't cooler. see a thing but yeah, it's, <laughs> but i'm mowing funny thing at, at five o'clock in new orleans doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be cool no it's it will be darker the, yeah. the sun won't be on your skin that's right. a, that's a positive that's yeah, a positive but yeah. but it could be in the 80s at five yes yes it could be and it and it, and it will be oh yeah yeah it yeah, will yeah. be yeah, it will be before long it before long, and uh, so yeah, and you know, you know, I think I said this before on a previous show, many, many, many shows ago. You know, when the heat comes, and we just had a holiday weekend, the uh, the rate of crime goes up, right? You know, and right. that's what's been going on the last seventy-two hours. Oh, like, yes. You got to go ahead. Go. No, no, I'm just saying that this past weekend was, you know, it was not a good. Uh, postcard weekend or, no, or you know, no, no. tourists, fact, you know. Yeah, in fact, I saw that, that headline yesterday, and it was the, the just the numbers from New Orleans over yeah. the weekend, mm -hmm. the crime numbers. And, you know, my son is in Israel right now. He's, he's spending like, he's like three weeks in Israel. And yeah, it's been nice knowing him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, what, that's, that's everybody's reaction to, to him being over there. Right. But you look at a headline like that in New Orleans. Now, if that was the headline for the entire country of Israel... Uh -huh. With those same stats, they'd be freaking out. There'd be like, you know, parliamentary, uh, 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 you know, 
right. collapse or, or, you know, there'd be all, all kind of turmoil. You know, it's a national emergency. You know, it's a crime right, wave. Here it's just another weekend. It's, it's just the weekend. Another yeah, yeah. Weekend. Yeah, so, you know, like, even him being in a place where there's, you know, still technically at a, at a state of war, still safer than New Orleans. <laughs> well, maybe he can change that. Well, <laughs> well he, he, he does, uh, you know, he understands if somebody starts making a move towards him, you know, like two hands on one, you know, just, just make sure you, you can, you know, protect yourself, you know. Right. So, so he's, he's a big boy, you know, he, he, he knows uh, he, he, can, he can take care of himself. But yeah, I did see that, and, it, and it's just the beginning of the summer, and... It's awful. It, yeah, who, who knows what's going to go on. That's why... I would, you know, if I could ever hit a number and be rich enough to like quit my job and stuff, I would leave here for the summer. Where so would you go? I would go back, uh, just anywhere. I'd probably go back to my old neighborhoods in L.A. Or in L.A. Like that. Yeah, I'd just hang out by the beach or something like that. Okay, it's cooler but there. It's a little cooler a little there. Cooler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's no humidity. Uh, it's you know, but uh, I'd go places like that. I'd probably just get you know a, 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 a condo or an apartment in the hills and. Call up my old dealer Frenchie and uh, just party all summer. Okay, well, that's that's, that's sounds, what I would do. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, know if the wife well, and kid no. would dig. That. Are, are you still still playing those numbers? I mean, mm-hmm. you still have an opportunity. Oh yeah. Okay. Every Wednesday and okay. Saturday, man. Oh, oh, okay. Is you it know? the lottery? Yes, it's the lottery. Oh, well, I, don't, I don't know when you say numbers. I don't know if it's like a book in your neighborhood or the horses. Well, I, or, I, you or, know, if I tell you more, then no, I don't. Uh, I don't want to know more. I'm just yeah, uh, just curious. Okay. Just curious. So, well, I'm taking off for Hawaii tomorrow. Speaking Good. of, of nicer, nicer places or, or places with a better climate. It's not well, nice. It's been nice knowing you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm coming. You have I'm, dental charts? I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got dental charts. Where are you yeah, sitting? Yeah. Coach, uh, business, or first class, or at the bottom of the ocean? Um, uh, one of those. It's going to be one of those for sure. Now, I'm counting on making it there. Yeah, I'm going over to uh, play the, the Big Island Jazz and Blues Festival there. I'll be uh, playing with the Iguanas. Also uh, backing up Tommy Malone from the Sub Dudes. And, uh, Are you a jazz and blues band? I never thought of the Iguanas as being a jazz and blues band. Well, we play all kinds of music, you know. Oh, really? And, uh, we, you know, I mean, it's a, so jazz and blues festival, it's a very broad terms for what the guy presents, you know. Like he has Wayne Toops, he's a Cajun artist, is going to mm. come over and we're actually going to back him up. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a folk thing, you know, and we, yeah, we, we, so that means we don't have to do a show next week. No, no, we have a show next week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll be back on Monday. (laughs) Yeah. We, we have the art, the, uh, the guest booked already. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Good news for the troubled nation is, uh, they're not going to be left alone out there. Um, well, maybe we should get to our, our guest here. Sure. So this is a fellow I've, I've known for a while. We, we played in a band together, and uh, I, was, I was not the regular bass player. I was the sub-bass player, but we probably played 10 jobs or so over a year and did uh, just as many rehearsals, and, and so I knew him to be, be a very accomplished guitar player, sweet guy, um, and, uh, you know, a guy who played guitar, mandolin, classical guitar. He's a very accomplished classical guitarist. Um, but uh, I haven't seen him in a while. It turns out he, he has uh, just come through a, an incredible experience. And I, I happened to run into him out on the street coming out of DBA a couple of weeks ago. And I almost didn't recognize him. I, mean, I thought I saw a glint of recognition in his eyes. And... and we kind of nodded each other, and I kept walking down the street, and then it struck me. It's like, wait, wait, could could this be could this be the guy? And I I thought, well, if it is, I'll see him again. And I thought, well, what if it is, and this is my only chance? So I turned back right. and went, and turns out it was my friend Willie Bonham. And so, without further ado, Mr. Willie Bonham, welcome, Willie. 
Good evening. Welcome, Willie. Thank you. So great to be here. Yeah, good to have you, man. Thank you so much for coming into the ring room and and uh, and you know come being willing to, to talk about all this crazy, crazy stuff that's it's, going on. Um, well, you know. Um, well, so do you, do you want me to set it up, or you want to go just, ahead? Um, you know. Well, um, I'd be interested in your perspective. Okay. Well, well, here's how I uh, I'm a fan of this this show, the first forty eight, mm-hmm. which is a show on eight A and D, and it's where they. They, uh, they, they kind of. I'm not a huge fan of that show. No, no, I'm just saying. Of, no, no, not on. Not. <laughs> you I, like I'm, the first forty-six. Yeah, not yeah. The first. <laughs> No. So anyway, uh, any time that that show is is uh, focused on in New Orleans, I absolutely have to watch it. You know, just because right. it's the criminal justice system is so weird. In New Orleans, the police are so weird. Such a, a weird system, and and it's local color. So. I'm weird? I don't know if it's weird. Well, I think it's, there's, uh, it's, there's a, I don't know stronger if that's a euphemism or mischaracterization. Possibly, possibly. We'll get into all that. Anyway, so I'm, I'm watching this thing unfold, and uh, I, 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 this, this fella had, had, had been in some kind of altercation, um, had, had wound up being stabbed. They found him a few days later. They're trying to figure out what, what went down. Um, they develop uh, uh, some leads, sh- uh, show a picture. I'm going, boy, that looks familiar, but uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't recognize that name. Um, then then they, they, they show a videotape of the fellow walking, and I go, oh, wait, I know that guy. It's, it's Willie. It's my friend Willie. So I was in total shock, as I'm sure you are. Um, so it, the the long story short, if if I if I may tell me if I'm wrong, uh, you you were uh, roommates with this guy. You had all of your life, uh, all of your assets tied up into several very very expensive guitars, like a twenty five thousand dollar Les Paul. Yeah, I was crashing on his couch because his uh, his buddies had stolen everything, and the landlord had evicted me while I was in New York illegally without an eviction notice and uh-huh. taking it upon himself to steal a bunch of stuff and including another guitar that Frenchie had saved for me, which I actually, the day I flew back from New York, this, I heard the landlord strumming it the day I was flying back and the next day that guitar was gone. So that's another, that was a $1,500 guitar Yamaha had bought when I was in Japan. Uh-huh. I think it was like, I don't know, 80,000 yen or something at the time, but listed for like 1500 bucks over here. Right. And, so that was just another felony on top of multiple grand larcenies. And, uh, right. And, and really, it was like all your... I moved into Frenchie because he... he uh, this Frenchie Brouillette. Frenchie Brouillette said about. I could crash on his couch uh-huh. since I, I, had, you know, I didn't have a place to crash. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you had your stuff there because that's... Well, yeah, he had, right. again, under the pretext of him and this guy, Joe, who turned out was the guy who broke down the door, the initial break-in, had saved some of my stuff from the landlord pillaging what had been left the next day. Instead of calling the cops, the landlord just proceeded to grab my, you know, uh, air conditioner. So what neighborhood is this in? This was in the 8th Ward, over near Franklin. It was on Music Street, Street, North Tonti. Oh, so that's towards... my old neighborhood, yeah, yeah. It's kind of genteel. Well, but... Back yeah, of town. It's real eight it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but, but you said you were in New York illegally? No, I mean, I say I got evicted oh, from illegal. my apartment oh, illegally okay. while I was in New in York, York right. okay. doing a job. Right. I went up there to paint okay. and to make some money 
Um, yeah, and because they, I can make a lot more money in New York than into this. Um, so, can you tell the the, the folks at city. home who this Frenchy guy is? Give a little background on him. So, well, we you know, I, mean, he, I know who he is. You know, he was a well. He's Kent Bruyette, um, notorious. Like French Quarter kind of uh, pimp he for was, Carlos Morcello's. Yeah, he was, in, he was in cahoots with the mob when the, the mob rackets, was strong right. down here. Yeah, the, the 50s. and he was his cousin is Edward Edwards. Let's right, not forget right, this. Yeah, this yeah. is overlooked at. Of, of oh, this is this is one fact that is brushed over in most of the news reports. Right. That yeah. um, you know, uh, he's. And there was a book written about this Frenchy guy, uh, which, which detailed or, or written with him, which detailed all of his whole career of criminality. Well, yeah, this guy and, Mark Randazzo uh, took it upon himself to mythologize. Yes, to, well, he he wrote degree, it in or, the first person as if he were Frenchy. Okay, so Frenchy. But the was thing is, Frenchy is it was technically an illiterate. You know, he okay. really was. Mm-hmm. And so, the first thing you notice about the book is that. Uh, he 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 uses dialogue and language that you know was beyond Frenchy. He used oh. verbs where Frenchy didn't. Um, <laughs> yes, and adjectives and all kinds and of verbs. syntax all the, all and things like that. Speech, yeah, but yeah. also, Frenchy was known because he was a, a, a sharp dresser and he was a pimp and he was cahoots with the mob bosses down. Yeah. He was known as Mr. New Orleans, right? Well, he was also a weightlifter. He was Mr. New Orleans yeah, back yeah. in the fifties. Right. Yeah, he, like he had sort title. of a he yeah, had yeah. sort of a a dismal mobbed up boxing career. Early oh, okay. On. All right. I did. Initially, not know. he was like a. He initially he was like a collector for silver, when Silver Dollar Sam was still the mob boss and Sam Carolla. Marcello, yeah, Sam yeah. Silver Dollar Sam Corolla was technically he might have been in jail or he might have been um, you know awaiting deportation for the second time or something like that. Right. But uh, there was this old guy uh, Dutch. He was a German dude. That, mm-hmm. I don't know his nickname was Dutch or right. whatever. He was like the big, uh, you know, gambling dude uh, that for, for the mob. And Frenchie started sort of as an enforcer for him. Right. And this guy kind of managed a boxing career, So this too. Frenchie guy, what I got, um, he developed, I guess he was this guy, but he developed a big drug habit and alcoholism. And then he was just like, you know... Basically, like that, like Henry Hill and Goodfellas. He just everything just died for him. Yeah, well, you know yeah. the whole. Well, it's funny you mentioned Henry Hill because, you know, well, well I'll get well, to it later. But okay. we have a theory that. Uh, okay. So you, know, you end up being roommates with this. Well, guy. like I said, he I, put you up. I I know I lived in the same boarding house with him, oh, and, okay. and I became acquainted with the guy. Right. And, yeah, I mean, this is another. This is like one of the first sort of factual misrepresentations like of this whole story that I was somehow his roommate. Okay. Okay. You know, they don't mention that, which I, I made clear to the police and everything when I, you know, was uh, robbed of like $25,000 worth of gear, including right. like four guitars, two handmade guitars amongst them. Right. And all my equipment, PA system, my clothes. I mean, Jeez, just cleaned you out. Totally. I mean, cleaned me out. And, you know, um, the thing is, the crazy thing was I couldn't do anything about it. I was in New York, and nobody told me anything. When I checked in with Frenchie, I had just spoken to the landlord who didn't mention any of this, uh-huh. particularly about himself cleaning me out and evicting me while sure. I went there. And Frenchie said, oh, they got you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, no, they robbed you. They took everything. But I saved some. I mean, what are you talking about? Why didn't you call me? Right. Oh, well, 
Joe and Andy said it would ruin your vacation, so I didn't want to <laughs> tell oh, you. I said, oh, yes, so you listen to Andy. I said, hmm. And uh, Andy just evicted me, huh? And he didn't tell me this. I just spoke to him five minutes ago. So needless to say, uh, you know, I tried to report it to the police, but uh, I spent four hours on the phone. I was working, you know, a lot, painting a big house out in Montauk on Long Island, you uh-huh. know? And... Uh, they were unresponsive. The, the next, you know, day Not or two later, I called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unresponsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was well, impossible like for NOPD, uh, four yeah. hours. But the crazy thing was, when I got back to town, I couldn't get anywhere. They yeah. would not mm. take a police report. Okay. I said, look, I can show you stuff. There was a, my dresser was in somebody else's room. I said, I didn't give that to somebody. Oh, jeez. You, you, you know, actually located a, a some of the stuff. And yeah, like, ah, dresser was not our problem. No. Let me ask you something. Let's just rewind just a okay. bit so our audience knows. Where yeah. are you from? I'm from New York originally. You're from I grew, New York. I grew up in New York. And, uh, and music's been your whole life, pretty much? Uh, pretty much, although, you and know. you're an artist, also a painter? Or? No, I wouldn't say that. You're no. a house painter. You're I was painting though. a house, that's yeah. That's, that's an art form in itself. But in a way, it is. The, yeah. I, I was working for a very good house painter. And All right, so you're from New York. Quite a job. And how do you get to New Orleans? You know, I came down uh, after the storm for my first jazz fest. And Katrina. Yeah. Okay. It was, um, yeah, the, fir- the first big storm. You played Jazz Fest? No, no, oh. but I just, I went to the first, I had been longing to go to Jazz Fest for years, you know, uh-huh. and, um, and uh, you know, I had friends who had gone for years, and... and uh, so you came down, it's like a lot of people had come down here, and you ended up staying. Yeah, after the second yeah. or third time, the third time I came from Mardi Gras, spent like three months yeah. through Jazz Fest, and by that time, you know, I had hooked up hooked. with a couple bands, and... Right. I was hooked. Okay, so now that's okay. That's a little bit. I just needed to that. Was get that was about ten years ago. Okay, so I just needed that. Give or take. Right. So, so you're back and you're trying to chase your stuff down. Yeah. And and take it from there. Well, I mean, I'm I'm f- f- so I had a pretty good idea that it was an inside job, you know, mm-hmm. particularly because the landlord, if if he really had nothing to do with it, I mean, he would have called the police. Sure. And I mean, which really makes him guilty of criminal negligence because criminal negligence, if you read the Code of Criminal Procedure, basically says, you know, when you don't act in a way that, you know, a rational or person normally would have. Normally, yeah, if a landlord, use... somebody's room is broken into, they don't yeah. go in and just start looting it themselves and right. kick <laughs> right. you out. Right. They call right. you and they call the police. Yes, you have to use regular care. Yes, exactly. So, so that's technically the definition of criminal negligence right okay. there. So, um, so you're trying to find your stuff and, and you're trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm, yeah, and I'm sort of snooping around. And meanwhile, you know, this is you know, like straight out of the Godfather, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. While I believed Frenchie was a friend at the time, um, you know, he swore he knew nothing about what happened. And, um, you know, I guess I wanted to believe him. You sure. know, because I thought he, I, I really thought Frenchie was a friend. he was a lot older than you. He thought, how could this old man do well, this? Well, I knew he was a thief. I mean, one of his favorite things to say was, you know, <laughs> I love to steal, but never from friends. You know? <laughs> right. And so at this sure. point, I, could, <laughs> I, know people I, I like thought that. he yeah. was his friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. What was that old Chris Rock joke? Uh, about uh, living in the projects, you know, someone gets robbed. 
And the guy who robbed you goes, hey, I heard you got robbed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was just something like, like that. that. It's something like, I don't right, know, right, I don't right, know right, the whole right. gist of it. Um, yeah. Um, you know, so anyway, I gave Frenchie the benefit of the doubt, but I was suspicious. Because it was just, um, he and my land were the only people I told I was going away to. So the people who broke the door down and, you know, the whole door jam is rebuilt. Uh-huh. So what happened is then this guy who had been staying in this other house where the original equipment was taken, like all my guitar effects, uh-huh. this guy con- just continued, uh, this guy shows up and they had used his ID to sell my Fender Champ and a few microphones and this other little practice stamp I used on gigs, this little crate, uh-huh. at Guitar Center. Oh, wow. And Nervy. You know, they needed somebody with a valid ID to sell the stuff there. Mm. That was one of the first things they hawked, you know? But you, and this you, mint 70s Fender Champ. And yeah. this guy came clean on this. You know, he incriminated himself t- to say what happened, you know, and... Um, and told me all the other people involved who, uh-huh. who, who, who actually broke the door down. And at this point, he really didn't incriminate Frenchie. Although, there was too much stuff in my room that disappeared. And later on, I started finding traces of the stuff in Frenchie's room. And I realized a lot of my stuff that was no longer here had passed right through Frenchie's room. Okay. And, I, and this guy, Josh, later on confirmed all this stuff for me. Because I ended up seeing him upstate when they, uh, in... Uh, East Carroll when I was up there. Okay. So Josh pretty much is an eyewitness and he, he listed all my effects pedals, what color they were and everything. So this is stuff he had never seen, including some old like uh, stained glass lamps from this house. My mom lived in Pennsylvania, which had burned down with these couple of the only things that were salvaged from this old house. And I had these in a box and had never taken them out of the box. Right. So fact is when he described these lamps, I said, he couldn't have been making this up. He had to be yeah. telling the truth. Right. So I had now an eyewitness fingering um, these, some of these other people that had lived in the house previously, and they were associates of Frenchie and whatnot, you know. And um, then I called the police and said, look, I have an eyewitness now, and if, if you don't come over and make a report, I'm going to internal affairs. So... They send over a squad car and some, um, you know, uniformed officers who start taking a report. And all of a sudden, this detective shows up. Now, it's interesting, this detective I had met before, this guy, um, he had stopped by the house one time, like, canvassing the neighborhood, looking for some kid who was supposedly robbed a TV from some lady down the street. And they had him on some of these surveillance cameras on the telephone poles. And they said they lost him somewhere around our house. So he's... I thought this guy was a pretty good detective, you know, mm-hmm. canvassing the neighborhood for some old lady's TV. Right. And he gave me his card, and that was like six months before. But when I, I called him up from New York, I left message with him and, you know, never heard from the guy. And then I called the desk sergeant at the 5th District and said, you know, I, I just said, you know, I met him six months ago. I had his card in my, well, I've called his cell phone. I called his, him at work at the right of the 5th District, left messages. And the desk sergeant says, well, without a police report, you know, the, 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 the detective of the burglary detective is not going to do anything. I said, well, why won't you people make a report? But mm-hmm. the sergeant, you know, he just kind of ignored me. So nobody would do anything. I even called 911 once just to get the police there, and they threatened to arrest me. <laughs> so, but finally, when I had my eyewitness, 
and I threatened to go to internal affairs. They, they sent the squad car over. Now, before this police report is even made, interesting enough, who shows up but detective? Oh. Bef- before there's a police report. So that kind of was suspicious. Anyway, these people had ba- barely finished interviewing me, and he's on the scene. The next, first thing he does is when I accuse my landlord of taking the acoustic guitar that it was my you know, Yamaha classical that was like my workhorse. Right. And that had disip- that was a whole separate you know, grand larceny. And I said, I know that guitar is next door because I know he took it. You know, I mean, yeah. he was in the room strumming it like hours before I jumped on a plane. Uh-huh. And he had all, you know, he, I, yeah, I used to let him borrow the guitar even. You know, I mean, I, I was good to all these. I mean, I cooked for Frenchie. I fed the guy for like right. two years. I kept him alive. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how we became close, just hanging out and, um, you know, uh, eating and watching TV and whatnot. And uh, so anyway, uh, this detective goes and he tips off my landlord. He goes, oh, I'm going to go interview your landlord. I said, well, I immediately alarmed him. I said, you know, now you're tipping these people off. I said, I'm going to be, I hope you're going to act quickly because I said, I'm going to be in danger. Mm-hmm. I made it quite clear right then and there. I mentioned this guy, Joe, who was sort of the ringleader was a dude who used to walk around with a machete. He, he'd have like a meat cleaver and a scabbard on his belt. Okay. He even used to, he used to at one point had a forty caliber that he walked around with in a holster, you know, in, um, which is legal in New Orleans. Right, it's in right. plain sight. Yep. Um, except the police who had showed up for some domestic dispute between him and his girlfriend took it away. And I explained this, and of course there's no record because it probably ended up as some throwaway for some cop, you know? Right. You know, he was an intimidating figure, anyway. Yeah, you know, he was crazy, is what okay. he was. A okay. psycho, a meth dealer, and all this kind of stuff. And um, pretty much I showed him where the door jam had been rebuilt, and they didn't even bother to paint it, you know? It's like fresh wood. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't even try and cover right. up that right. they had just rebuilt right. the kicked-in door jam. I showed him the room... Across the hall, I said, you know, my mahogany dresser's in there. I can prove that's mine. I didn't give that to this person. You know, the landlord bestowed it upon them. I said, the landlord, you know, is guilty of criminal negligence. I said, he didn't notify you. He didn't notify me. He doesn't do anything. He just goes What's and, the landlord's name again? Well, I don't well know he wasn't he, really he, landlord. He was a manager. Name in this, he was a let's manager. Let's tell the story because I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really probably doing ourselves any favors with, yeah, with, um, by, by naming anybody's name. Let's tell the story. Yeah, exactly. Well, this guy wasn't really the land. He didn't own the, the building. He was just like the manager. And anyway, but he was responsible, you know, for the property. So he collected the rent and whatnot. And um, so. The detective pretty much tips him off, and then uh, I never heard from him again. I sent him a text the very next day, reiterating the fact that I said, now you've put me in danger. Yeah. You know, by revealing, you know, instead of searching the premise next door or searching the other house where the people might have some of my gear left, um, you know, uh, uh so or going to the Guitar know. Center and trying to get the receipt from, from the guy who had sold some of the equipment there. He didn't do any of that stuff. He basically ended up aiding and abetting the people who had robbed me. And um, this went on for several weeks. And uh, I started to grow impatient, but I really wouldn't leave it alone. And this is at the point at which 
um, Frenchie started, you know, making sort of hints, you know, I should just forget about it. I'm never going to get my stuff back, which turns out wasn't true because I met another guy upstate later on who almost bought one of my guitars from one of the initial people that broke okay. in okay. who tried to hock it to him. It was clearly described as an ovation, you know. Right. And this was a very distinctive, you know, ovation right. you with the Adamas holes and all this stuff, you know. It's right. unmistakable guitar. You knew it was yours, yeah. And, you know, so the fact is if the police had done their job, I probably could have recovered some of this gear. Right. That wasn't happening. So, um, so well, what the, happened with this guy? Is he still on the force? Well, uh, well let's... let's uh, he's... He, uh, well, I mean, we get his name. We don't know the landlord. I'll tell you something. I don't know. I, I'll that, tell you that something. May not stand in here. I, I later on, later on, uh-huh. we found out that this cop, who was supposedly investigating the burglary, I call it covering the burglary up, was what he was doing. Was it actually um, suspended by the NLPD because he had been investigated by the FBI? Oh, uh, okay. Which probably ended up fixing it. Well, I'll get to the, that one. See, it's all so twisted and complicated. Sure, sure. Um, you know, um, let's just try, I'm trying to go in order. Yeah, I'm trying to go in order. Yeah, but, yeah, um, he shouldn't have been on the force at this point. They, sh- they, should, have, they should have suspended him, him, suspended him permanently. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, because he was suspended for dereliction of duty, and what he amount what... Uh, he amounted to doing, in, 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 in my case, burglary. And like I said, this was not a bicycle or something. This was right. not some little candy store ripoff. This was tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff, right. you know. I mean, this was a major larceny. It was, yes. it was yes. a huge heist. Right. And, and, um, so you're not getting any satisfaction from them at all? And, no, um, they're completely, they, they're, they're, like I said, he's in effect just... Um, you know, tip these people off and then proceeded to just do nothing. And finally, um, Frenchies really starts getting pushy with me about backing off. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're bringing a lot of fucking heat on me. You know? I'm like, well, Frenchie, I thought you had nothing to do with this. You know, you're telling me you don't know nothing about it. I said, why don't you come clean? I said, I know Joe was in it. I know this guy... I know this guy who was right. there at the house, whose you know, who's, um, ID they used to sell the stuff. I said, he described everything too perfectly, the stuff that nobody's ever seen, too. I said, it, 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 he's asked me telling the truth. So I'm beginning to doubt your sincerity of that. And I said, I don't believe you don't know anything about this either. And that's when I started discovering, you know, little things like my, the, the, the charger for my... Uh, like my beard trimmer, which I didn't bring with me to New York. I just brought the beard trimmer because it was charged up. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd use it a couple of times. And Frenchie had it with all these little phone charts. He was like a pack rat with things, you know. Like anybody would leave a phone charger there or something, you know, he'd snarf it up and put it in his little drawer. So these guys weren't very smart. What's that? They're not very smart, these well, criminals. I mean, they're just, you know what it is? Um, they just figured they had me beat because... I figured, this is when I found out, you know, French, again, it, it, a lot of it was, was sort of backtracking the more I found out, um, but it was obvious that not everything could have been taken the first night. 
It was pretty much the equipment, you know, my PA, which is just amazing itself. They could break a door down and nobody in this apartment does or notices anything. They break right. a door down and take an entire PA system. I mean, with big, like, 15-inch speaker right, bins. Right. Yeah. You know, a head, a couple amps, um, four instruments, all my, like, you know, microphones, blah, 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 all my pedals, mm. da, 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 computer, my Bose computer speakers. Right. Yada yada, and and nobody notices anything. But then, there was too much other stuff, and none of, and, and very little of it was left in Frenchie's room. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And um, so, and I knew the landlord had taken stuff like my radio and the air conditioner and and whatnot. And uh, but like you know my dress, like all my like my socks, like all my dress socks, my sweaters. I mean, just like Jeez, everything. Man. You know, my underwear. Right. I mean, what are people stealing your underwear for? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I'm, I'm getting suspicious of Frenchie, and um, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt, basically, but, yeah, you know, I know he knows more than he's saying. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But then he starts, you know, really pushing me to back off, and I said, look, Frenchie, I mean, what are you worried about if you got nothing to do with it? I, and this is when we started to to quabble, you know, and and it was like, uh, you're a fucking rat. Uh, hey, I said, Frenchie, Frenchie, I said, <laughs> it says you're the rat, like right on the cover of your book there, the guy who broke Omerta with the mob. Uh-huh. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Little did I know that this is only the tip of the iceberg. Okay. You know, because later on, and. If I ever get the 8,000-page FBI file on Frenchie, which I paid for under Freedom of Information Act, which the FBI has withheld except for maybe several hundred redacted pages, oh, man. We'll, we'll find out whether he was, in fact, an FBI informant, which was my okay. attorney's theory. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the real twist is that Frenchie was actually working for the FBI. And the whole om- breaking Omerta and writing this book about his mob exploits is to cover up the fact that he's a real, like you said, uh, Henry Hill. Yeah, okay, so yeah, he's an informant. But he was more like a, a working TECI, Top Elton Confidential Informant, mm-hmm. who was in place and basically protected while he was engaging in criminal activity, including murdering people. Okay. Um, which I'll get to that later, okay. but... Um, well, not too much later because we're we're about halfway through. Oh, Jesus, all right. <laughs> well, moving. I mean, well, let's take a break, okay. Nation, and we'll get another round. All right, and uh, we'll come back in a second or two. Okay, gonna, all yeah. right. So hold right. your thoughts. Right. And we're back, back in the ring room, back with Manny Chevrolet, back with our guest, Mr. Willie Bonham. Willie's just in the middle of a story, so uh, continue, Willie. So we're we're so Frenchie has told you to back off, and yeah. uh, it seems like the fix is in. So yeah, and so uh, continue. From and there. I'm I'm pretty obstinate because, like I said, you know, I got an eyewitness, and I know that you know if they scanned his ID, this guy's ID uh, at. Uh, Guitar Center. Guitar yeah. Center. That, that's going to confirm that some of my gear went through there. Of course, they denied all that, and that was never um, pursued. But uh, push comes to shove. A uh, couple weeks go by, two, three. It's approaching Thanksgiving, you know. Um, I remember we go up to, uh, we go up to the Save-A-Lot 
and Frenchie grabs a 10-pound ham and stuffs it under his coat and walks out with it. You can't know. help himself. He can't. Oh, he loves to steal. I mean, I even think the old security guard knew he had it there. He, he, you know, he had his little tricks like Walmart. One time, like I don't know, he took like a like a ten pound seventy dollar brisket and put like a six ninety nine Chuck steak sticker on it and went up to some young girl who was a cashier and just you know, she's, boy, that's really cheap. You know, classic move. It's yeah, 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 but um, well, but, I've seen uh, <laughs> things that Rouse is marked wrong. It's yeah. just the stupidity of the employees. But if he's chasing, you know, he's changing price tags. That's all yeah. Thing. But I mean, you know, uh, right? A, a, yeah, a ten-pound brisket. Right. Anyway, you know. so that's yes. All right. So Frenchie walks out with this ham, and and you know, um, you know, it's like the Thanksgiving weekend, and um. Things are tense, you know, but uh, I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of firm, like, you know, I'm not giving up on this, Frenchie. You know, it's like, come clean or whatever. But he really starts getting violent. Now he starts saying, like, you know, all right, you know, I'm going to call Joe up. And he's going to go over here and he's going to kill you. And that's it. So I basically took off. Um, He's going to call Joe? Who's Joe? Joe was the guy like, who broke in, you know, okay. in Maniac with the machete. And oh, okay. You know? All right, yeah. Yeah, you got to back off of this. Da, 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 da. And so, I don't know. I just, I went and like crashed some friend's house uptown or whatnot, you know. Um, and uh, came back. Same thing. A French era started fighting. And, and so, I, I had texted this detective who was supposedly, you know, quote-unquote investigating the burglary, you know, I said, these people are threatening to kill me now. I, I, exactly what I told you would happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly as I reiterated on the, you know, and, and this is the kind of stuff that they, you know, that he withheld when I finally went to jail. like, you know, body cam footage where I expressed all these things, warnings to these people. All that stuff was That, that I'm right, in danger right. here. And you put me in danger because of your lack of, you know, uh, succinctness in, in dealing with this matter. Follow through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this failure to actually do anything. Right, right. Um, so I send this guy a text that says, look, these people are threatening to kill me. So then I, I basically took off. It was like a Monday night. I think I grabbed my mandolin. I went to the hi-ho picking party, and mm-hmm. I ran into some friend. I crashed uptown at his house. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I pretty much realized, and Frenchie made it clear, like, I wasn't welcome there anymore. It's like, you know, you're going to have to leave here. Okay, so I realized I had some of the few things I had left. Were there, yeah. Right, you know, my cookware, my grandmother's iron skillets and whatnot. This one amp, this tweed amp that was inscribed to me. And this is how I knew the people who robbed me knew who I was, because why would it make any difference if... Why would they know that amp that had an inscription? It was a custom boutique amp my friend built, you know, like uh-huh. a Bandmaster replica amp. Right. That two willy, da 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 da. Uh-huh. How would they know that was, you know, my per- custom personal amp if they didn't know who I was? Right. So that was, in, that was sort of uh, confirmation, confirmation of, the, right, right. Of, of the whole story. I had it right. Right. So I come back and. Like I said, I hadn't heard from the detective. Now, this is going on 48 hours now that I had warned him what was going on. Mm-hmm. And Frenchie came, buckled down again. He goes, that's it. That's it. Joe's going to come over tomorrow, and he's going to kill you. That's it. 
You're done. Da, 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 da. And I said, well, you know, I said, you said you like to steal, but not from your friends. I guess, well, maybe I'm not your friend. Da, da, da. Okay, this, that, and the other thing. Mm. And you're a rat. And I was back again with, what? <laughs> you're the rat, right? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Okay. Anyway, I know um, it just escalated. Something pushed him over the edge. You know, he came at me. And uh, I defended myself. Right. And, you know, and now at this point, he came at you with what? He got a, a weapon? He came yeah, at you yeah, with yeah. a knife. Okay. And, um, you know, I, 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 was, I got cut, dismantling him, and, you know, he charged at me, and, I mean, I really didn't want to hurt the guy, you mm-hmm. know, and I just kind of instinctively, as he charged me, you know, I mean, I just reacted. Right. right. Sure. And yeah. I inflicted what amounts to like a flesh wound, you know, uh-huh. or two, uh, and there might some scratches. It was really like, and all these reports were completely exaggerated, you know. Right. Believe yeah, you the, me. Yeah, the, st- the reports I heard it, it sounded different than than, but I I totally yeah. Uh, and know, and so, sense. but he 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 was unre- he was unrelenting. He was crazed. He you know he right. had Chris. He was smoking crystal meth. He had been taking steroids. You know, he took steroids. If you read his book, he took steroids most life. of his life. Right, right, right. Okay. And he was back, you know, injecting steroids. So, you know, it could have been a combination of roid rage so and all this stuff. So he cut you, though. He cut you. Yeah, well, I, I got cut on my hand disarming him. He came at me just like, right. I don't think he was really in his right mind. He had been drinking. Right. You know, people started you know, trying to attribute the whole incident to alcohol. But I had, you know, had a couple of drinks, but I was pretty much nervous and had, was keeping my wits about me. You know what I'm saying? Sure, Stretchy sure. He was yeah, a lot yeah. more drunk than I was. Yeah. I proceeded to get, get really ripped. You Afterwards. know, I guess you could say I went and I had an Irish wake for Frenchie. Right. And I couldn't call the police because obviously I couldn't trust the police. Okay. I had just told them that I'd been threatened and they did nothing about it. Okay. So I pretty much, I, I this is like you know, a Kafka-esque situation, it really man. Was. This I, is insane. Um, so what I did is I went down to Checkpoint Charlie's and I called my attorney who was representing some dog bite case. I had gotten mauled by two pit bulls, oh, and he was representing me in that case, which never went anywhere. Uh-huh. Hilariously enough, the guy had a couple pit bulls the next week. They put his two dogs down, and that Good. case never went anywhere. But they, he had two more pit bulls the next week. They never prosecuted him. And then it turns out I couldn't even get a default settlement because he was never prosecuted. There was no crime because they failed to prosecute him because... The DA said, well, if he cooperates with your lawyer, would you forego the prosecution? Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, but they didn't do any of that. Uh, so, sure, sure, sure. so anyway, I called this guy, this attorney, who turned out to be useless. On a Thursday, this was a Thursday morning. This incident had taken place over Wednesday night, very late. You know, we mm-hmm. had argued into the early morning, and this incident happened like right. four or five, five o'clock in the morning or something like that. Uh-huh. Maybe close to six. I don't really know, you know. Sure. And, you know, I was in a state of shock. Oh, yeah. As you can expect. Um, of course. Anyway, and so I called this attorney, and I told him, I, I, I need to speak with you. He didn't believe me. And 
Um, I spoke with the assistant, and, you know, I thought he might call me back later that day or deal with me, but, you know, he, later on, he, he said he frankly didn't believe me. Oh, and, um, but this is during the holiday weekend? This all no, happened? this, was, oh, this was sort of, like, right after Thanksgiving. Okay. It was, like, yeah. December... Oh, it's so early December. Or first now. week of December. Okay. Okay. So there's and, no excuse. Well, and the funny thing is, is when yeah, we got a deposition rep- from him later on, he weaselly tries to say it was a Friday that I called him and not a Thursday, like, and that he forgot about it for the weekend. Uh-huh. Right. And I ended up later on in the hospital because my arm started to swell up. Uh huh. Because from the funny wounds. thing is, the right. knife that Frenchie attacked me with was. The thing we had been cutting the ham with, you know. Oh, jeez. The ham that he stole. Yeah. The ham that he stole. Trichinosis, <laughs> trichinosis knife. Jesus well, Christ. Well, whatever it is, yeah. you know, I, I, my <laughs> arm started to swell up. Oh. Now, this is... And, uh, well, later on, what happened is I, I met a friend of mine who had, um, you know, was the guy who picked me up at the airport uh, when I got back. And... Um, I know uh, he had a, uh, an instrument of mine. He had my classical guitar that I had with me in New York over at his house um, for say. And I had given him some, all this cash I had because I, I, nothing was safe, you know. Sure. So I asked him for a couple hundred bucks from, out of his safe. So I, I figured I might need a hotel room for the night, you sure. know. yeah. And I told him what happened. And... Uh, you know, later on, he was to say, um, you know, well, well, there were, you know, state troopers there. Or you could have gone and turned yourself into them. I was like, well, I wanted to consult my attorney first. You know, that, yeah, that was sense. the whole point. Yeah. I met up with Tim and, you know, he was working on Bourbon Street or something. And, uh, you know, I gave him my mandolin for safekeeping. And eventually, after my arm just became swollen up, I went to the hospital, the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And they checked me in and... Um, you know, gave me some antibiotics and whatnot. And, you know, he never called me. My attorney never called me. And like I said, later on when he wrote a deposition, he tried to act, say it was like a weekend and weasel out of, you know, it, uh, his recollection of what it was or whatever. But so, so, so you wind up getting picked up on the charge. Yeah. Ultimately. Uh, well, yeah, eventually this guy that I had talked to he thought I, as he put it, I thought, that thought I was on the lamb. Okay. Really, you're trying to, trying to get representation to, to Yeah, to he, fig- yeah, he yeah, thought yeah. I was on the lamb because that's the way they portrayed it on the news. Right. I was in the hospital recovering from the wound I had suffered. And where's Frenchie? Frenchie is in the morgue? I, but at this point, I guess so. I, you know, it turns out they didn't discover his body till Saturday okay. or something. Okay. Morning. Which is, again, I don't even know how true that is. I don't know if the people in that house went through and rummaged everything they could from his room. And well, that, that's, right. yeah, I was going to lead to that. I'm sure Stied that's what happened. Yeah, I'm steal sure his he, drugs he, or whatever, you know. Yeah, he was a dope fiend and an old, yeah. an old mobster. Oh, he probably. was a dope dealer back in the day, too. This is why the thing is, when he was treated like, when the, the whole reaction on this 48 hours, like I had murdered the Pope or something. Uh, it was the, bizarre because I said, this is a guy, who, in, especially in the Me Too age, who sold heroin and kept women strung out on dope to pander them. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. used to drop like flies. He used to tell me these stories. This is before they charge you with manslaughter if you give dope to your girlfriend or your hooker 
right, and she right. dies. It's, now you get charged with manslaughter. Yeah, in the right. old days, that was just uh, in the old the days they just justice. they would yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. In the old days, they just show up and go, <laughs> yeah. oh, another one bites the dust, yeah, huh, exactly, Frenchie, and they'd exactly, wheel her out. Yeah, and they do this on a regular basis. But I mean, the stuff that he got away with. I mean, the stories that you won't read in the book. You know, like kidnapping a couple of broads that were filming their tag team matches and then extorting his customers. This is all alleged, of course, because, you know, we can't prove any of this. But, uh, but well, yeah, this so is I'm, stuff I'm, he told me. OK, well, yeah, he yes, bragged. I mean, sure, you know, sure. my statement to my friend, which he relayed to the police, was evidence enough to arrest me and charge me with murder. Right. Uh, yes, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yes, so absolutely. you know, I think Frenchie incriminating himself in his own words is yeah. He didn't, he didn't seem like a very smart guy. Well, he was very clever a bit about the book, but he said things to me. The reason why I took him seriously, and even particularly, like I said, when he whether you know people say he could have been that dangerous, he told me about this mobster that had crossed him and the guy who pretty much took his club in Nettery, the body shop. Okay. He had gotten swindled out of that. Of course, it was in some dancer's name. Nothing was ever in his name. Right. Right. And the guy who had hooked up with this dancer of his and swindled the club out from underneath him ended up, as he put it, Harry Dubino thought I was kidding until I cut his dick off and shoved it in his mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> With a razor. Well, who hasn't yeah, done that? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah good times. <laughs> so the point is, I took yeah. Frenchie's threats seriously. Sure, Because sure. I knew he was a killer. Yes. All right, so listen. Now, what happens? You get arrested? I get arrested in the hospital, although you don't see this on 48 Hours. No. Yeah. They, don't, they don't show that I get picked up in the hospital. Okay, so you I get, get charged arrest. with second-degree mur- second okay. murder. Second-degree wow. murder. And you have no representation. Well, a guy you, came and yeah, offered to. Guy, repre- guy comes and offers to to represent me pro bono. Um, who was I think was looking for a sensational kind of trial, but then this guy um, who had represented me for the dog bites comes up with an attorney. My sister finally just called the police when she hadn't worried about me. She had some premonition. My twin sister, you know, we have that twin thing. Oh wow. And uh, Elizabeth called the police, and and then she got in touch. So what year is this? I'm sorry. What this year? is nine. 2015, December okay. 2015. Oh, and Canizero is the DA, right? Canizero, yeah. yes. Ex-president. Now, we can mention his name because this he guy's a, a criminal. Prick. That guy's now, a I'll tell you what happens. Prick. In a short story, I'll give you the short story rundown here. <laughs> yeah. got a lot I of get arrested <laughs> December 15. Okay. Um, they take the necessary four months to arraign me. After 10 weeks, I'm shipped up to East Carroll, you know, near Lake Providence, where I spend the next 26 months. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're not even in state? You're, where, where well, are you? I'm practically in Arkansas. I'm five hours away. But that's oh. in Louisiana. It's, it's in Louisiana. Okay, okay. But oh, it's as far as the way you can be without being They don't keep being you in Louisiana. parish prison, though. They put you... They, 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 they ship me off to this pretrial. They had four or 500 okay. guys up there. Okay. It's so overcrowded at this OJC. They have four oh, or 500 God. pretrial people So up it's there. not Angola. It's not OPP. Well, no, it's, no it's, a, it's, it's a camp. We could even smoke cigarettes because it was a privately owned camp. Oh, wow. Really? That was the only thing that I had going for it. Oh, wow. So, so they, they put you on ice up there for, for 26 months. Well, check this months. out. No, what happens is after six months, mysteriously, um, my attorney gets what? chosen. No, but he gets pulled off the case okay. and appointed. You remember Judge Murillo? Yeah, sure. Yeah, owns a, all the clubs on Bourbon Street and whatnot. Surprise, An not, old friend of Frenchie's. He's a member here. Well, Judge Murillo... You know, gave up his fight to be seated, even though he won the election, 
Right. Because he's 72 years old, and there's a law in Louisiana, you can't sit on the bench if you're 72. Okay. Strange law. He fought it because he was elected. And maybe he was elected when he was 71, but he turned 72, and they're like, oh, you can't be a judge. Okay. Which is strange because you can serve on the the Supreme Court to your senile, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Murillo's fighting this, but he finally gives up and says, you know, all right, I'm going to give up this battle. So they appoint. So. Out of, you know, not that my attorney isn't a great judge, and he's a brilliant guy. Graham uh-huh. Bosworth, he was a brilliant, amazing guy. They appoint him um, to be Murillo's price. Now, isn't that just ironic? Murillo's what? Replacement oh, in okay. Section uh, D. Okay. So oh. he gets pulled off my case for six oh. months. Now, the judge sets the court date for December 15th, a year after this incident happens. Now, I don't even have basic discovery. I don't have, like, the body cam footage of when I'm arrested. Right. I don't have these police reports. I don't have anything about this detective, you know, who I right. said, right. Um, you know, I had you alerted. You were scared and all that. Yeah. Who I had alerted that yeah. I, my life has, has not been turned over. And she sets a trial date for December 15th. So come that election, you know, somebody gets elected for Section D, but, you know, this guy doesn't even clear his docket till Christmas. So obviously the the December 5th date is pushed back to February 5th. Now come New Year's break, and it's like January 6th, and and we don't have some of our basic discovery, and we ask for a trial extension, and it's denied. So now the appeals court steps in, and totally rail, totally reams Judge Karen Herman. I'm going to mention her name. And these appeals, the, the, what the appeal court ruled, which was a unanimous decision and a concurrent uh, decision by another woman member of the panel, three-judge panel, that right. they mentioned the 5th, 6th, and 14th Amendments, that this is, you can't take me to trial when I've... You don't not have stu- effective counsel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I, not effective counsel. That I haven't had proper discovery turned over. Right. The basic right. rules of evidence. Yes. The basic criminal procedure for a court All right. trial. Yes. So you're up there in so, this... Okay, so what ahead. happens after they unsuccessfully rail, try to railroad me, they turn... They just try the other tactic of delay, where they just will not turn this stuff over, but they won't take me to trial. Right. But... All our efforts to get this information are just thwarted, and Judge Herman pretty just sits there and says, rules in our favor, but won't enforce our own rulings. And this goes on for Jeez. two and a half years. It's called bleed and plead. That's, that's the... Well, the whatever it is. So after, th- yeah, after 34 months or something... All right, so I you're in play. jail upstate somewhere. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. All right. While you're in prison, right. you're in, it's a prison, right? Yeah. It's a satellite camp. I yeah, guess it's, it's a satellite prison. camp. It's a prison. There are people doing DOC all right, time all right, there, too. All right. Okay. Uh, Willie. But I'm with pretrial inmates. Yeah, you're Everybody's pretrial. Right. Yeah, you're, you're innocent. We're, we're treated worse guilty. than DOC. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're right. opening my legal mail. They're denying me my t- talks with my attorney. You're only charged. You're not, you're not a criminal. I'm not, you're not convicted, I'm not convicted yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, getting treated worse wow. than DOC people okay. who at least have the state but looking out for But let me ask you rights. something. Your whole time in this jail, prison, camp, whatever you want to call yeah. it. River, River yeah, Bend, yeah. it was called. Do you like Thursdays? No, no. So it's a joke. So Manny's saying, <laughs> or, or, were you were you threatened in any way? No, they, you know what? I mean, I I was there was constantly young little punks just you know mouthing off, uh, calling me white boy and all this shit, and you know. Now, are you one of the only white people there, or pretty much? Oh, okay. I mean, you know, it, it, when I first got there, I was on a t- 
here, there were a bunch of guys from Baton Rouge where there were just more white inmates from Baton Rouge. There were a bunch of Baton Rouge people shipped up there pre-trial as well. And so I was in a dorm, um, 80 people, and so it might have been, you know, like 15%. There was about a dozen guys from Baton Rouge and, and you know... Okay, but so it's it's not like, like ten a, white guys. It's, they don't have like uh, uh, there were Aryan times when I was like there the, or anything. No, there's it's not nothing that kind like of that. gang scene. It's, no, uh, um, you know, everybody's doing their own their own time. There yeah, you know, on their own terms. Maybe people misinterpreted that Almond Brothers tattoo I got. You know, but <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, so nah, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't have an Almond. <laughs> well, I'll tell tattoo. you the Thursday joke after the show. <laughs> yeah, so okay. yeah. yeah you'll well, it. you know, actually, the thing is, it was pretty calm up there. That's good. There were a couple of young guys who thought they were gonna, you know, um, you know trying you. to prove that they were tough. Uh-huh. You know, they were they were they were just like, and 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 um, I the whole time I was warned by my attorney. You know, you're on a violent charge, so you can't have any altercations. Right. You know, so I was turned the other cheek, pretty sure. much. Right. Which but, is your nature anyway. Yes. That's, that's but the I, kind of person you are. But I would, but I would live, oh, I was constantly getting moved around because I didn't back down. You got a mouth on Verbally. Yeah, yeah I know. You know. <laughs> I get that. I told <laughs> them, you know, the thing is, if you got in my face, I, you know, I gave it right back to right, you. Right, right. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, the wardens would say, oh, you, know, you can't do this. So it's like, I was like, well, no. If you want to call me names, you know, you can't cry about being called a name sure all right so you're out there upstate mm-hmm. in this place yeah. you still have ownership of some of your stuff here well where is my, that no? my, my friends uh and, and my friend my friend went by uh the house and he grabbed it grabbed my boutique amp and some clothes yeah and maybe this um this little four channel mixer York mixer and my cousin had given me, okay. you know. So um, that's really much you know, the, everything else. And again, everything else is gone. And, and, and there were some instruments that he already had in his care, you know. I'd given him the mandolin. Right. So uh, I had some other guitars that were with another friend. And Good. that's pretty right. much what yeah. I have All left, right. you know. Well, you know, I, we probably got about 10 more minutes left. Okay. And I want to get this one thing in. So, so okay. as I was preparing to do this, this podcast, a mm-hmm. friend of mine... A uh, friend of ours uh, forwarded uh, an article to me written uh, on intercept.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that article. Mm-hmm. So it's intercept.com is an international uh, news organization, you know, website. It's, it's, you know, it's widely known. Right. It's an analysis of Orleans Parish DA's practice of using your case as, as the specific case to illustrate this thing that they do, which is, and it talks about uh, step-by-step how uh, you were initially uh, issued a $500,000 bond. It was $1.2 million. No, no, I'm saying initially it was $500,000. Yes, it under... And, and let, let, me just, let me just fast forward through yeah, 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 yeah. My, my interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so... Because the initial judge thought, yes, this seems like a judge like, Blackburn. This judge seems it seems the magistrate like, judge seems like a, uh, a self defense case, and uh, and and so uh, so so while your family was trying to raise the enough to cover that bond so you could bond out, uh, the DA goes, the, you know, assistant DA goes to and and through some procedure 
goes without uh, representation from, from you, you know, violating your Sixth Amendment right, this is according to this article, uh, without counsel on, on, you know, representing you, goes to a judge and gets the bond raised to $1.2 million. No, that was Karen Herman who did that after I was indicted, and, the, and it went to her section. Okay. But, but the Blackburn was willing to lower the bond to, it, to as low as $50,000. Okay. Except he was receptive to a bond reduction hearing, Except that he said, if you get indicted, the money's going to be wasted because it's going to go back up. And in mm-hmm. fact, when I was f- officially indicted after four months, which they took the full four months, which is absurd, and no other state are you allowed to take that long to indict somebody, but okay. they used the full four months, which is legal in the state. And then Karen Herman said it at $1.2 million because I was also charged with obstruction of justice. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm still curious about. What's that? Well, I mean, there's a whole manslaughter to start And I, I, I try to do some homework on this show. You know, So what was the obstruction of justice? Um, well, because I left the scene, I guess. Okay, all right. But, you know. but so anyway, the, the ultimate strategy they, of, of, of this... Well, of first it was the railroad, this. because they couldn't, they couldn't bring me to a speedy trial without turning over evidence, and when that failed, it was to, to delay tactics. Right, but I'm saying, so, so ultimately, they have you on this bond, which no one could ever meet. So, right. so they have you on ice forever. You never get to trial. After, right. after three years or so, they approach you and they say, well, here's the deal. Um, we'll, we'll let you plead to, to uh, manslaughter. And, and yeah, but they didn't, want to, they didn't want to take... What happened is we reached that deal after a year and a half. It was going into June of 16. Okay. And then they pulled it off the table. My sister flew down for the hearing and the DA doesn't even show up or whatnot and, and, wow. and, and they pulled the deal off the table. Been there, man. I had signed. I had signed for the deal that was zero to ten, and Karen Herman pretty much intimated to my attorney that she would come somewhere down in the middle. All right. That if I took the manslaughter charge and the zero to ten sentencing range, that I'd get about five. Okay. And I was told that under first-time offender, that the new law I was going to do sixty-five percent, which turns out not to be true because the okay. new law passed before I was sentenced ultimately, and I didn't get. I didn't get sentenced under the new law. But what happened is they pulled the deal off the table. Then they went back up saying, oh, you gotta, we're not coming past 15 or 20. So we said we're going to trial. Holy so then God. it dragged out. I came back for, set for trial for June 15th. And so after 26 months up in Lake Providence, right. I came back to Orleans Parish, got attacked by a crackhead of my tooth knocked It's never out. a good idea oh, coming Jesus. back to it. Yeah, they put me on an Jesus. open tier. Oh, anyway... At a week before the trial date, he starts playing musical chairs with the... He tried every delay tactic. A week before the trial date, he plays musical chairs with the prosecutor. So then he changed the prosecutor two or three more times. All right, let me... Okay, so... So it was all delay tactics. All right. You're a good guy. I like you. I dig you. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so let's forget about this whole thing, 48 Hours, his favorite show, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to say I, I, this. I want to talk you about... Can, you can watch the show yourself. When I was picked up in the hospital, the star of that show seized my wallet and phone and everything as evidence, partly because my phone had the text which I'd sent me warning that I had been threatened. 
So okay. they tried to suppress all that evidence, and he stole hundreds of dollars cash out of my wallet. Right, Allegedly, really, this is more really. work for okay. me. Okay, right. so well, you know. This is a hundred and sixty dollars disappeared out of my wallet. He's one of these guys we need to do a part two with. I think so. Yeah, he's one of these guys. We've had a few guests. But but let's close. uh, But but I want to close. I want to close with something. I just want to ask you something. All right, you're a musician, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, you're a musician first. Excellent. And you have uh, your uh, mandolin. And yeah, your, and your bucket. Yes, yeah, you like that, bucket, the little Easter yeah. bunny. So I just, yeah, yeah. I, I've never heard, of, I've never heard you symbols. play. I don't know what your music's about, but well, if you I sent him a little podcast. Podcast. Uh, Hold on a sec. Okay. Tell me, um, <laughs> tell me uh, why you love music and who are your influences in in sixty seconds. Um, oh gosh, I love so many uh, guitar players and stuff. You know, I mean, you uh, see, I'm wearing a Jerry T-shirt. Okay, Jerry. Seen a Garcia. lot of Jerry, yeah, yeah. Jerry shows, dead shows. Um, uh, in this town, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, one of the first New Orleans guys I got to jam with was uh, Walter Wolfman, right who my friend hired for his wedding. Yeah, I've never heard of him. Sat in with Walter Wolfman Washington. Yeah. I sat in with him at my friend's wedding, and then uh, down here, um, you know, uh, I met guys like uh, Phil Degree and yeah. John Rankin, Cranston Clemens, and Jimmy Robinson, you yeah, know. And, and, of course, the Iguanas. I'd been a huge Iguanas fan before I ever moved down here. Oh, you know, nice. uh, I, there was a bartender who used to play, these, play your records, at, uh, you know, years ago. And I was like, who are these guys? He said, the Iguanas. I was like, I love these guys. And then uh, there's just a lot of great guitar players in this town. You know, the other night... Uh, Hell, I was playing with two of them with you guys, uh, Pop Molly and Rod Hodges, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great, and of course, all the classical masters like Segovia and John Williams, you know. So, and and at the end of this podcast here, uh, Sam Bush, we're we're gonna we're gonna run uh, a a recording of uh, of of Willie playing classical guitar. It's gonna run at the end of this this episode right here. Yeah, I I just put it together yesterday. Luckily, uh, uh, and he plays beautiful. My housemate, uh, you know. Set me up with a computer and uh, the guitar, uh, uh, what do they call it, garage band, and I was able to put right. a little ditty down. And it, it, look, my, I was playing it for my wife tonight, and she was like on, about to start crying because it was so, so sweet and so tender and so touching, man. You know, um, I appreciate you really that. Hear your I, soul I, I, <laughs> you know, look at, um, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, I, 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 I guess I kind of picked a piece like that just to. Show what a sensitive guy I was. Yeah, man. Look, when all this stuff happened, everybody that knew you was like, "This does not make sense." It doesn't any make sense. sense does this it? is insane. Like, you know, this, this, just. Well, I did everything I could to avoid it, and to be honest with you, if I had received some equal protection under the law, it right. wouldn't have happened. Right. It's tragic, and you know, Frenchie would have been. Lost. And I have to say this: I love Frenchie. Like I said, I took care of the guy. I fed him. You know, we had some amazing times together, like um, one little story was he told me about, you know, how he knew, um, um, oh, what's the guy, the, uh, the, the, the froggy character on Underdog was... Uh, Kermit? No, fro- froggy character in the... Under, the uh, underdog, you know. Underdog uh, something. Underdog uh, cartoon. It was uh, Edward yeah. G. Robinson, you know, oh, okay, as sure. the uh, bad guy. You right, know? right, right. And so... They were in town making this movie. He talked about Edward G. Robinson being a client of his and, you know, class act guy. He just wanted a girl to have a few drinks with. 
and how Frenchie admired this nice like tweed jacket he had. And he uh-huh. said, oh, you like this jacket? He gave it to him. And he goes, you know, in fact, they asked me to be an extra. They were making this movie, The Cincinnati Kid, you know, about this <laughs> wow. great card game, you yeah. know, with Steve McQueen. Wow, yeah. yeah. Well, and believe Margaret, it or not, yeah. the, day, the night we're talking about that, 1 o'clock, TCM, I said, guess what's coming on TV, Frenchie? Cincinnati Kid. Yep. Yeah. And we sat that night. It happened, and we watched it. And sure enough, when you get to that um, scene, it's in... At one of those fancy hotels on St. Charles Avenue where they're having the game and like uh, uh-huh. um, they're up till like five in the morning. You know, playing, uh, yeah. Gene, um, who's the guy who's in all those uh, Tennessee Williams movies? Um, Carl Malden. Carl Malden is one of the dealers, and yeah. then this woman. It might have been not Shelley Winters, but it might have been Shelley Winters is one and of the other. And Margaret's dealers. in the film. And uh, Margaret's the other dealer, yeah, maybe. And Steve and, McQueen. Steve and, McQueen is the Cincinnati kid. Yeah, Edward G. G. Robinson, Robinson is the master gambler. Yeah. But this big poker game that they have in the hotel room. Um, Cab Calloway's one of the oh, players. Yeah, Cab Calloway. And in this scene, you see Frenchie there in this brown suit with yeah. sunglasses in the back smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Ah. Which, which you can see a picture of him that looks a lot like that in the, in the book. And then he told me the funny story when Carlos Marcellus went up to him because Carlos Marcellus was one of these old school gangsters. You know, you don't put your picture in the paper. You, don't, yeah, you keep yeah. a little profile. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, uh, maybe if you maybe you sh- if you want to be in movies, maybe you should move to Hollywood. Right, right. You know? Yeah. We, we, but it, that was just one of those trippy things that happened that I really, you know, I thought I was really had this deep bond with Frenchie that I was really, you know, amazed, you know, that, that he betrayed me like that. Um, Life is crazy. But I, I, you know, like I said, um, you know, it's just the way the way the whole story was portrayed in the media and the news and uh in this forty eight hour show right um you know there was they don't, they was don't mention known, any of this fact that known. I went out of my way to to prevent anything like this happening right but right. he was a known character and you were you you were nobody knew who you were right and, and like and, I said he's the governor's he, cousin yeah right. and he's the governor's which means co- he's the yeah, related and he's to the got current some romanticism like first cousin about Woods him and all okay. that kind of stuff. And ultimately, Karen Herman, who, yeah. who, who went along with it, turned around and gave me four years, so ultimately which I had they, pretty much served. They, they came back to you at some point. They couldn't. They, they realized that, that I wasn't taking 15 or 20 years. We'd go to trial. Right, which, yeah. And so the, the final sentencing agreement was zero to seven, which I had... Done the, by this point, by the time I was sentenced, I'd done 34 months. Right, so you're cool. So I took the plea, and, yeah. and, but then instead of being sentenced under the law of 65%, which I had been told the whole time that I was going to be first offender of violent crime under right. the new laws, do 65%, which right. I'd already done right. in spades, they charged me under the old Good Time Act mm. and made me do the 85%. And by the time I got 120 days good time, I only had 60 days left on my sentence, so I ended up doing 39 months total. And I got out a couple months ago. Wow. Yeah. And, but, Willie, here's the thing. Here's the, the, the triumph of the human spirit that mm. I love this story, that when I ran into you on the street that day outside of DBA, you looked better than I'd ever seen you look. <laughs> Thank you. looked you. stronger. You, looked, you had more humanity or the same humanity in your eyes. You always had a lot. Um, but you, you, they didn't break you. No. 
you 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 look you look healthier and, and I, I met a lot of good people in jail. No, you know, like I mean, not everybody could do that. There man. were a lot of there were a lot. Of, I had some few good friends, a few good Scrabble buddies. People sent me books, sent me CDs. They made sure I had money on my commissary. Wrote me letters. You know, terrible, um, terrible. Food's terrible. Food's terrible. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is. Um, yeah, you know, I got by because I had a lot of love, a lot of support. My sister was relentless. My sister came up and just hired, you know, this amazing attorney who, um, you know, um, did an amazing job. And his partner, uh, Autumn Town, Grand Bosworth, I have to mention the names. These people yeah, for were sure. Amazing. Mention that guy's name. Yeah. This, this guy was amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, he's probably going to be a like a federal judge one day or something, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a real, um, test. I'm disappointed. I didn't play more brinksmanship and honestly really because when the judge said, she said, she said, frankly, you, you in all likelihood would have been acquitted at trial. But who you know, but after that? 34 months, I no, was just, why would you, you do couldn't it? do yeah, that. you can't roll the dice like that. No, because, no, are too and, high, and, and, and Graham is one who warned me. He said, juries can be capricious, they can be yes. fickle, and, and it's just, you can't do it. And no. obviously, they had kept me down so long, they had sort of taken that option away. Yeah. You know, there was no speedy trial. Yeah. Yeah. So no. they, you know... This is like Dostoevsky, man. It, it really is. Well, the thing is... It, it, crime and punishment. And, yeah, what, yeah. and the thing is, this is the modus operandi. I'm not any special case. All right, well, listen, I'm going to stop know. you right there because i got to pee like the Hoover All right. Dam. Well, anyway, right? gentlemen, thank you yeah. for letting me uh, thank voice you my for story. Being, it's been yeah. amazing. Man, look, we're, we're, we're going to have, have a follow-up here, uh, you know, on the Troubleman sure. podcast. Which, okay. which you clearly ha- have have uh, have qualified for. <laughs> you, well, that's you, that's you, feels that's you, I'm very honored because you, yes. I feel I'm in special company. Well, you, you know, you more than anyone who's ever been on this podcast has has earned your way onto it, and and you know you're like Papillon, man. Papillon is a great read. Have you really read the book? I've never read the book. I I, I highly suggest it. Okay, well. You know, highly suggested. The movie's great, and I think they remade the movie while I was in jail. I saw that, right? I, there was I, a remake I, of the movie. I, I only saw the original, but uh, with yeah. uh, again Steve McQueen and uh, Dennis Hoffman, Dustin yeah, Hoffman. Dustin I Hoffman. always say Dennis. Yes, <laughs> my mind is going. Uh, anyway, Dustin Hoffman. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, Willie, I'm so glad that. that well, thank I you for having me. You know, you it was and, and it was sort of trippy. Uh, you know, recalling to, when when you walked out of DBA that night. I just, you know, I did remember saying, you know, nodding, just like, hey, Renee, and, and you nodded at me just kind of like, and it was funny the way you sort of did that double take, you know, like at first I thought you just figured I was just, you know, one of your many fans just saying, you know, hey, good night, and, uh, you know, obviously you, you recognized me, but it was really, it was sort of hilarious that the double take you did and just... And I yeah, told I you, that I, I, I didn't know anything about uh, the troubled men, and, uh, but I, you know, I said I'd be happy to, to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm very glad I came. Yes, so thank you for having me. Me too. So uh, as we say in the Trouble Men podcast, uh, trouble never ends. <laughs> <laughs> struggle continues. Amen. Yes. So good night. Good night.